0: Section Two of the Underground Railroad, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Underground Railroad, Part One by William Still. Section Two. Seth Conklin. Part Two. Princeton, Gibson County, Indiana, February eighteenth, eighteen fifty one. To William Still. The plan is to go to Canada, on the Wabash, opposite Detroit. There are four routes to Canada, one through Illinois, commencing above and below Alton, one through to North Indiana, and the Cincinnati route, being the longest route in the United States. I intended to have gone through Pennsylvania, but the risk going up the Ohio River has caused me to go to Canada. Steamboat traveling is universally condemned, though many go in boats, consequently many get lost going in a skiff is new and is approved of in my case after i arrive at the mouth of the tennessee river i go up the ohio seventy-five miles to the mouth of the wabash then up the wabash forty-four miles to new harmony where i shall go ashore by night and go thirteen miles east to charles greer a farmer colored man who will entertain us and the next night convey us sixteen miles to David Storman near princeton who will take the command and i be released david Storman estimates the expenses from his house to canada at forty dollars without which no sure protection will be given they might be instructed concerning the course and beg their way through without money if you wish to do what should be done you will send me fifty dollars in a letter to princeton gibson county indiana so as to arrive there by the eighth of march eight days should be estimated for a letter to arrive from philadelphia the money to be state bank of ohio or state bank or Northern Bank of Kentucky, or any other Eastern Bank. Send no notes larger than $20. Levi Coffin had no money for me. I paid $20 for the skiff. No money to get back to Philadelphia. It was not understood that I would have to be at any expense seeking aid. One half of my time has been used in trying to find persons to assist when I may arrive on the Ohio River, in which I have failed except Storman. Having no letter of introduction to Storman from any source on which I could fully rely, I traveled two hundred miles around to find out his stability. I have found many abolitionists, nearly all of whom have made propositions which themselves would not comply with and nobody else would. Already I have traveled over three thousand miles two thousand and four hundred by steamboat, two hundred by railroad, one hundred by stage, four hundred on foot. 48, in a skiff. I have yet five hundred miles to go to the plantation, to commence operations. I have been two weeks on the decks of steamboats, three nights out, two of which I got perfectly wet. If we had had paper money, as McKim desired, it would have been destroyed. I have not been entertained gratis at any place except Stormans. I had one hundred and twenty-six dollars when I left Philadelphia, one hundred from you, twenty-six mine. Telegraph to station at Evansville— 33 miles from Storman's, and at Vinclure's, 25 miles from Storman's. The Wabash route is considered the safest route. No one has ever been lost from Storman's to Canada. Some have been lost between Storman's and the Ohio. The Wolves have never suspected Storman. Your asking aid in money for a case properly belonging east of Ohio is detested. If you have sent money to Cincinnati, you should recall it. I will have no opportunity to use it. Seth Conklin PRINCETON, GIBSON COUNTY, INDIANA. P.S. 1st of April will be about the time Peter's family will arrive opposite Detroit. You should inform yourself how to find them there. I may have no opportunity. I will look promptly for your letter at Princeton till the 10th of March, and longer if there should have been any delays by the mails. In March, as contemplated, Conklin arrived in Indiana, at the place designated, with Peter's wife and three children, and sent a thrilling letter to the writer betraying in the most vivid light his adventurous flight from the hour they left alabama until their arrival in indiana in this report he stated that instead of starting early in the morning owing to some unforeseen delay on the part of the family they did not reach the designated place till towards day which greatly exposed them in passing a certain town which he had hoped to avoid but as his brave heart was bent on prosecuting his journey without further delay he concluded to start at all hazards notwithstanding the dangers he apprehended from passing said town by daylight for safety he endeavored to hide his freight by having them all lie flat down on the bottom of the skiff covered with blankets concealing them from the effulgent beams of the early morning sun or rather from the christian wolves who might perchance espy him from the shore in passing the town the wind blew fearfully conklin was rowing heroically when loud voices from the shore hailed him but he was utterly deaf to the sound Immediately two or three guns were fired in the direction of the skiff, but he heeded not this significant call. Consequently, here ended this difficulty. He supposed, as the wind was blowing so hard, those on shore who hailed him must have concluded that he did not hear them, and that he meant no disrespect in treating them with seeming indifference. Whilst many straits and great dangers had to be passed, this was the greatest before reaching their destination." but suffice it to say that the glad tidings which this letter contained filled the breast of peter with unutterable delight and his friends and relations with wonder beyond degree footnote. in some unaccountable manner this last letter conklin ever penned perhaps has been unfortunately lost End footnote. no fond wife had ever waited with more longing desire for the return of her husband than peter had for this blessed news All doubts had disappeared, and a well-grounded hope was cherished that within a few short days Peter and his fond wife and children would be reunited in freedom on the Canada side, and that Conklin and the friends would be rejoicing with joy unspeakable over this great triumph. But alas, before the few days had expired, the subjoined brief paragraph of news was discovered in the morning ledger. Runaway Negroes Caught. At Vincennes, Indiana, on Saturday last, a white man and four Negroes were arrested. The Negroes belonged to B. McKiernan, of South Florence, Alabama, and the man who was running them off calls himself John H. Miller. The prisoners were taken charge of by the Marshal of Evansville, April 9th. How suddenly these sad tidings turned into mourning and gloom, the hope and joy of Peter and his relations no pen could possibly describe. At least the writer will not attempt it here but will at once introduce a witness who met the noble Conklin and the panting fugitives in Indiana, and proffered them sympathy and advice. And it may safely be said from a truer and more devoted friend of the slave they could not have received counsel. Evansville, Indiana, March thirty-first, 1851. William Still. Dear Sir, On last Tuesday I mailed a letter to you written by Seth Conklin, I presume you have received that letter. It gave an account of his rescue of the family of your brother. If that is the last news you have had from them, I have very painful intelligence for you. They passed on from near Princeton, where I saw them and had a lengthy interview with them, up north, I think twenty-three miles above Vincennes, Indiana, where they were seized by a party of men and lodged in jail. Telegraphic dispatches were sent all through the south, I have since learned that the marshal of evansville received a dispatch from tuscumbia to look out for them by some means he and the master so says report went to vincennes and claimed the fugitives chained mr conklin and hurried all off mr conklin wrote to mr david Storman, princeton as soon as he was cast into prison to find bail so soon as we got the letter and could get off two of us were about setting off to render all possible aid When we were told they all had passed a few hours before through Princeton, Mr. Conklin in chains. What kind of process was had, if any, I know not. I immediately came down to this place and learned that they had been put on a boat at three p.m., did not arrive until six. Now all hopes of their recovery are gone. No case ever so enlisted my sympathies. I had seen Mr. Conklin in Cincinnati, I had given him aid and counsel. I happened to see them after they landed in Indiana. I heard Peter and Levin tell their tale of suffering, shed tears of sorrow for all of them. But now, since they have fallen prey to the unmerciful bloodhounds of this State, and have been again dragged back to unrelenting bondage, I am entirely unmanned. And poor Conklin, I fear for him. When he is dragged back to Alabama, I fear they will go far beyond the utmost rigor of the law, and vent their savage cruelty upon him. It is with pain I have to communicate these things. But you may not hear them from him. I could not get to see him, or them, as Vincennes is about thirty miles from Princeton, where I was when I heard of the capture. I take pleasure in stating that, according to the letter he, Conklin, wrote to Mr. D. Stewart, Mr. Conklin did not abandon them, but risked his own liberty to save them. He was not with them when they were taken— but went afterwards to take them out of jail upon a writ of habeas corpus, when they seized him too and lodged him in prison. I write in much haste. If I can learn any more facts of importance, I may write you. If you desire to hear from me again, or if you should learn anything specific from Mr. Conklin, be pleased to write me at Cincinnati, where I expect to be in a short time. If curious to know your correspondent, I may say I was formerly editor of the new Concord Free Press, Ohio. I only add that every case of this kind only tends to make me abhor my—no—this country more and more. It is the devil's government, and God will destroy it. Yours for the slave, N. R. Johnston. P. S. I broke open this letter to write you some more. The foregoing pages were written at night. I expected to mail it the next morning before leaving Evansville but the boat for which I was waiting came down about three in the morning, so I had to hurry on board, bringing the letter along. As it now is, I am not sorry, for coming down, on my way to St. Louis, as far as Paducah, there I learned from a colored man at the wharf that, that same day, in the morning, the master and the family of fugitives arrived off the boat, and had then gone on their journey to Tuscumbia, but that the white man, Mr. Conklin, had got away from them about twelve miles up river. It seems he got off the boat some way near or at Smithland, Kentucky, a town at the mouth of the Cumberland River. I presume the report is true and hope he will finally escape, though I was also told that they were in pursuit of him. Would that the others had also escaped. Peter and Levin could have done so, I think, if they had had resolution. One of them rode a horse, he not tied either. Behind the coach in which the others were, he followed, apparently contented and happy. From report, they told their master and even their pursuers before the master came, that Conklin had decoyed them away. They came unwillingly. I ride on a very unsteady boat. Yours, N. R. Johnston. End of section two.